0: Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for um, Jesus who is a rock beneath our feet. Uh, we thank You that in all seasons, Lord, that is true. So we just say thank You this morning for Your grace and for Your love. And uh, Lord, we pray You would just teach us once more from Your Word that Your Spirit would cut deep in us and shape us and form us into the body of Christ, Lord, together at Providence. Uh, Lord, that she would do, um, Lord, a work in us for Your glory. Lord, I do lift up those who are sick among us who can't be this morning, I especially pray for Jordan, uh, Lord, that you would just heal him and uh, just be with him and Sarah, Lord, and those who are quarantining, those who are sick with other things, recovering from surgeries, we do have quite a bit of those things going on, Lord, so we just lift them up to you and pray, uh, Lord, just healing and peace for them, Lord, we pray you would take our tithe, our offering, uh, maybe what feels like a small thing, but uh, Lord, maybe be faithful to do all your word commands. We just pray you would take, um, Lord, what you've given us and uh, you would multiply, multiply for your kingdom, Lord. Just bless our finances. We've seen you grow our finances over the last couple years. And Lord, we know and believe you're going to continue to grow us, Lord. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Yeah, I know we've got quite a few folks out or out sick going on. Uh, Jordan Price particularly uh, uh, got COVID or has COVID, and so he's home quarantining. And I know some other folks are too, so just be praying for everybody. Um, sick or potentially sick? So <laughs> who knows? It's hard to know. So um, We're going to be in Matthew again, Matthew chapter 14. Just want to look at one more passage in this chapter. And next week we'll start, we'll start Advent. I'll take a break from Matthew and we'll walk through love, joy, peace, hope, those things that we generally focus on and remember at Christmas time. So we'll do just something a little different for, uh, for the Christmas season. But in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately He made the disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out His hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped Him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. At the, the Galaxy lights Light's walkthrough this past week that we did, I told Dawson, I said, now buddy, stay by me, because if you don't pay attention, you're not going to realize it, and you're going to walk slower, faster than me, and you're going to look up, and you know I'm not going to be there. He said, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm not fine. So we well, just hold my... No, I don't want to hold your hand. I don't want to hold your hand. And so sure enough, we're walking, and I'm watching him, but he's not watching me, and he gets about, oh, 50 feet behind me, and he looks up, and he realizes he doesn't recognize anybody around him, and he's, you know, starting to freak out. And maybe you can remember that being a kid in the store, and you realize, where are they? And you're so afraid. And so I screamed his name, and he darted up there. So told you, you know. Um, that's something of, of, of the, the position the disciples are in. They're they're lost out at sea. And last week we talked about how we need Jesus to, to supply us with all that we need. He is our food. He is our drink. But Jesus Himself, I, I just need Jesus' presence. You know, as Chase was saying in his prayer, sometimes life just gets lonely. And loneliness is bad enough, but when life gets hard, loneliness is, is even harder. And, and in this passage, we see the disciples, perhaps they think for a moment they are alone, but they're not. What they have and what you and I have in the toughest parts of life is an ever-present Jesus. And I really just want us to, I want us to savor that truth this morning. We have an ever-present Jesus. An ever-present Jesus. Verse 22 says, "...immediately He made the disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowds." So remember we said last week, why did Jesus take Himself and the disciples out to the desolate place? Uh, It was for rest. They were exhausted from doing ministry. Jesus uh, is all man. And Jesus is exhausted from doing ministry. They didn't get that rest, did they? Because everybody found out and they came and they continued to minister and Jesus healed and Jesus taught. And then we read that Jesus feeds these hordes of 5,000 men plus women and children. And what did we see? It said that the disciples distributed the food. So think about what that would look like, the 12 of you dispersing bread and fish to what, 10,000 more people? They had to be absolutely exhausted and notice what it says here. It says, immediately, immediately, Jesus prohibits them from doing any more ministry. He says, get in the boat and you're going to go. Jesus tells them, it's time for you to stop, but I'll, I'll carry on the work. You know, Jesus is good because he always carries the heaviest parts. Yeah, Jesus allows it to get heavy on us in ministry and in life, it happens. But, you know, Jesus is good because he's always doing as Spurgeon says, the heaviest lifting. He carries the heavy load. He is a man, Jesus, but Jesus is the best of men. And I think that's encouraging for us this morning because Jesus has been in the exact same hard place as you have been, in the exact same hard place, but He doesn't fail. He carries on to the very end. And so that's our sympathizer who knows how to identify with us when we're tired when we're worn out when we feel like we can't take another step i want us to see this morning jesus because he is ever present for the disciple we need not the first thing i want us to see is we need not ever be afraid we need not ever be afraid 23 says and after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray and when evening came he was there alone What does Jesus do? And it's one of the most useful things that Jesus can do for you, now as his disciples. It proves that Jesus is Jesus because he does it. But it's also a good model for us. How does Jesus rest after he's wore out and exhausted from life? What does he do? Well, he doesn't uh, collapse on the couch and binge watch TV. You know, he doesn't mindlessly troll the internet. He doesn't whine and complain about a full schedule. I'm not saying, you know, rest of some sort is, is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to see what Jesus' first reaction is in His exhaustion. His first reaction is to be with the Father. His first reaction is to retune His heart to the heart of the Father. He, he, he knows what He needs to do is taking a big old breath of heaven. And in breathing heaven, He's refreshed by the love, the power and the goodness of God for His earthly human life. Now here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean poof, all tiredness is gone. And it certainly doesn't mean tiredness isn't going to come again. But what it means for Jesus is this. He has a heavenly perspective. He has a heavenly approach. And Jesus, our great master, He not one second in His life failed to live without a heavenly perspective. Jesus was always in tune with So that's the Jesus who is our master. That's the Jesus who is our disciple maker. And that is the Jesus who comes to the disciples out on the boat. It tells us that they were many stadia out, a Greek stadia. If we, trans, if we you know, translate it, convert it to miles, they're about three or four miles out. Now, the Sea of Galilee... It wasn't, in fact, like a sea, like salt water. It was a ginormous lake. It was 13 miles long. It was six miles wide. But it acted like the sea uh, because hot air and cold air over this, this giant lake, it would create these horrible, terrible storms that could have been deadly uh, in a small vessel. And it says that the disciples, they were beaten by the waves. That, that word beaten in the Greeks, it literally means tortured. They're being tortured by the waves in the boat. And when it says that the wind was against them, it means a dead opposite. So here you have the disciples. They had done all that ministry with Jesus on land. And perhaps they got a little bit of rest in the boat. But here they are, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And the waves are beating the snot out of the boat. And the wind is dead against them. And it's it's in this environment Jesus comes to them. But does Jesus come frantically running? Like, guys, I'm coming. Hold on just a little longer. Maybe I can make it. No. In fact, if, if, if you remember, this is really episode two. We saw this back in chapter eight. Jesus wasn't just calm during the storm. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. He was asleep down there. And so he comes walking to them on the water and he comes walking to them that his presence would be a comfort and courage to them. That you're not alone. I'm right here. You can keep on because I am present with you in your storm. But what happens, it has the opposite effect. They should have thought, oh, of course, there's Jesus. There's Jesus who, who said waves, wind, stop. And it did. Of course, this is Jesus walking on the waves. Who else could it be? But they cry out in fear a ghost. You know, it's interesting if we look at this exact same passage in Mark's gospel. It says Jesus meant, Jesus meant to pass by them. Now, that doesn't mean... He's like, see y'all, I'm walking across the other side. I'm passing by you. That pass by phrase is the exact same phrase used in Exodus when God says to Moses, I'm going to put you up in the cleft of the rock and my glory is going to pass by you. You see what Jesus is doing? The same thing God did for Moses. He was letting His majesty and His greatness and His glory be seen to His eyes and from it draw all encouragement, all hope, and all life that God is present here with me. Jesus was passing by them. Jesus full of heaven. So Jesus did it for their better, but it made them far worse, didn't it? He says, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. And so friends, I want to say that to us this morning. The Jesus who draws near to us in our disaster in life, He is the Jesus who casts out all fear. All fear. Your overbearing storms. uh, Sin that seems to sink its deep fangs in you and perhaps you feel like you can never defeat it. Worries for the future. Regrets for the past. Trials and troubles of the day. Friend, I want to say to you, if you can believe it, Jesus is right here and Jesus is able to be your help in the worst of storms. Can we believe that Jesus is present and there's no need to fear? Because you know, fear and terror and hopelessness, that's for the person that doesn't have Jesus for a friend. Fear terror, hopelessness, that's for the person who has no companion and I hope life works out and I'm just trying to have as you know, little damage in life as possible and I just I hope life turns out okay. We don't, we don't have to just hope in the sense of wandering. Friends, we have real hope because Jesus is really our master and our greatest woes in life and I, I know it's easy for me to like preach these words but when you're living in it, it's harder. I get that. But your greatest obstacle in life... It is an opportunity for your faith to be grown and believe, I don't need to be afraid no matter how hard this is, no matter how much pain I'm suffering, Jesus is greater and Jesus is here. In John chapter 16, Jesus said what to His disciples before He ascended to heaven, before He was crucified. He said, in this world you will have many troubles. Take heart. Same thing He says in this passage. I have overcome the world. That means if you can find any adversity in your life, a big adversity, a scary adversity, an impossible adversity, whatever adversity, whatever evil, whatever trouble you see in your life in this world, it means that Christ has overcome it. He says, I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. Do you have a partial Savior? I don't think that you do. I don't think that we do. I think we have a Savior who cast out every demon that possessed His sheep in Israel. He never failed. He he never failed to thousands of times, I can only guess, to heal every disease. Did you say, I can't heal that one? Jesus never said, I can't raise that person from the dead. Oh, you're beyond my... I can't comfort you, downtrodden person. I don't have any words of help. Oh, you're, you're too poor. You're too cast out for me to care about you. No, I I can't sympathize with you. Jesus never failed to be the perfect Savior that everyone who came across His path needed. And most of all, what has Christ done? But He has bled and He has died and He has overcome the grave to show us He is true life and He has overcome everything. He is not a partial Savior. Do you believe that Jesus is your whole, complete, and total Savior? all that the world can do to wear you down and to leave you battered, Jesus says these words to you and me this morning. Jesus says, take heart. Jesus says, be encouraged. I'm right here. If we don't have the courage we need, it's not because we've been deprived of the resources. It's because we're not believing that they're there. Everything the disciples needed for their trial on the, on, out on the Sea of Galilee, it was right there, wasn't it? Jesus was literally there. Heaven was right there for their eyes to see. But they had such small faith, they couldn't believe it. So friends, what do you and I need to do but have a greater faith and believe? Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is stronger. And He can overcome. And you know what I want to say on the flip side It's not always the big things. Like, oh, Jesus, I need you to overcome this big thing. I think if you can find a struggle in life that's too small for Jesus to care about, He's not a good Savior. Well, of course, Jesus cares about me when I had this big sin struggle or this big event happens, but sometimes I just need Jesus in the car when I just didn't feel like going to work that day and I don't feel like being a dad. I don't feel like being a husband. I I don't feel like having a good attitude. I mean, I think Jesus loves us in those most mundane, boring moments when we just think, ugh, I'm all alone, I gotta I gotta suffer through this. I don't think so. Jesus Jesus overcame all of it or nothing. So I say to you, the big and the small, Christ is right there before your eyes. Will you by faith apprehend him? I was down in um Gardendale this this uh past weekend. Um for my younger sister she had, she got engaged so she had an engagement party and so we're down there and at her to be husband's parents house and so we're there and these people walk in the door it was their next door neighbors um and so back when i was 17 18 i lived in gardendale and the gardendale was you know it was a small alabama town i you know I, I had a hard time fitting in and so it was a really tough year and a half and I really didn't have many friends. But I had one particular friend, Wade, and Wade was such a good friend and he played drums and so we made music together and I kept up with him after I left Gardendale, moved back to Louisville. Probably, I don't know, 6 years ago, 6 7 years ago when we were in our mid 20s, um, he he suddenly uh, passed away. He died. And um, he he was married, you know, and I, it was devastating for you know so many people who knew him he just was full of life he loved the Lord he was just such a great guy and he was just such a good friend to me and it was his parents that walked in the door and they, they live next door to my to be brother-in-law's you know parents and they're right there and it, it caught me off guard and I didn't even know what to say but it just I had to walk away because honestly I was starting to cry and I had to ga- gather myself his dad, was so happy to see me, and he said, "Chad, show me your wife. Show me, show me your children. Take me." He made me take and show, and point out who my kids were and their names. And he said, "Chad, you have such a beautiful family." And I just thought, "Oh my gosh!" Like Wade was my age, you would you would have had grandkids right now all this. And I was just overwhelmed by this man's joy. And, and he didn't let the fear and the storm of life take him out. And it was just overwhelming to me um, just to just feel the joy coming off of, of both of them. It's not true. Oh, everybody moves on. I could give you the opposite stories of people. They lost a child and they, they pushed away from God completely. It's not true that everyone you know, goes on in faith. I, I, I say that to say to you, friends, you don't know what, what storm, what trial will come in life. You really don't. But Christ says, take courage. I am right here. Will you be battered? Yeah. Yeah. And if somebody tells you you won't be, they're lying. You'll be battered. But Christ will be your help to get you to the other side. I want to say also to you on this note, remember that being a Christian means you are not your own. In other words, be careful when we're in that storm and we throw ourselves a pity party and we need to pause and remember, hold on, my life is not my own. I died, my, died to, to me and I'm alive in Christ Jesus. So whatever storms pass, I need to say with the apostle, man, I found contentment in anything. My, Paul's life wasn't Paul's life. Man, my life belongs to Jesus. And if Jesus has seen fit for me to go through this, there must there must be a lesson here. There must be a greater faith here. There must be growth that needs to happen here. So I need to be careful about me. And remember, I'm not mine. I am, I am the Lord's in Jesus. Uh, just stick with our nautical theme. Jesus is the captain. And he, He's not going to steer us where we don't need to go, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And even when it's very painful sometimes. And lastly, I want to say to you this. If Jesus needed to commune with a father in the hardest parts of life. Friends, don't you and I need to commune not with just the Father, but commune with the Son? Don't we need to daily be in the Spirit praying to the Father, spending time with Jesus, refreshing ourselves with heaven? I mean, if Jesus needed to do that for effective ministry, why do we go so long without being in prayer? Why do we go so long without dwelling on who Christ is? Why do we go so long on forgetting who the Father is? Friends, we need to daily get on the mountain and get alone with God. Verse 28, And Peter answered Him, Lord, if it is You, command me to come to You on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did did you doubt? It had been like like a phrase, like, hey, little faith, like it was his name. Hey, little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. So like last week, you know, Jesus multiplying the fish and the bread. This is another one of those very, very popular passages, you know, that everybody knows about. Jesus walking on water. Peter walks on water and begins to sink. But I want you to see something. I I really want you to see, I think the most important thing here is what happens right before, before Peter steps out of the boat. Jesus said, it is I. Peter said, if it is you. See that? Jesus said, it's me. Peter said, prove it. Peter should have said, I believe you. What what does Peter do but expose his faithlessness when he questions whether or not Jesus was really Jesus? Getting out on the waves and sinking, that that didn't prove his faithlessness or, or in that moment he didn't become a faithless person. It revealed how faithless he was. It revealed his fickle at best heart. Maybe you have one of those sometimes. He didn't believe, and then he steps out, and he does believe, and then he doesn't believe again. And This is the same Peter who says, Lord, I'll die with you, and then hours later, he denies him three times. But how good is God that, that Jesus, Jesus uses Peter's own self-inflicted demise to be a tool to draw out his greater faith. What happens, but when Peter sinks, it's in that moment that Peter's faith can see, Jesus is my only hope. And what does he say? He says, Lord, save me. I love what what Charles Spurgeon says here. He says, in this moment when he's sinking, he is a lost man and he feels it. And you know, you and I are never going to be helped by Christ. We're never going to truly rely on Christ until we're in that place where we're lost. And God, I just feel it. I'm just so aware of how, how broken and empty I am without Jesus. He feels it unless the Lord will save him. Save him altogether and save him now. Peter was nearer his Lord when he was sinking than when he was walking. In our lowest state, we are often nearer to Jesus than our more glorious seasons. Church you and I we've got to understand how brittle all ground is if we're to truly understand how solid a rock the Lord Jesus Christ is. Cuz you know what Jesus, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, "I told you, Peter. Look at you. Look at you sinking like driftwood, looking like a fool floating on the water out here." Look at you. He doesn't do that. Just as I said last week, Christ can't stop up his own heart from loving those who seek him. Nor can Christ stay His hand when people say, save me. He can't can't do it. Jesus must act according to His character. It says immediately. Immediately. Right when Peter said, save me. It's that moment that Jesus stuck His hand out and saved Peter. And it's only afterwards He gives a gentle rebuke. Hey, little faith, why did you doubt? Friends, we need not be afraid because Jesus is ever-present. But secondly, we need not doubt We need not doubt. Paul tells us about Abraham. He never wavered concerning the promise of God. He never wavered. Friends, that's the same faith you and I should strive to have to simply take Jesus at His Word. To take Jesus at His Word. Jesus' words are as sure as the sun rises. His words of promise are gold in your hands, health in your bones, air in your lungs. The words of Christ are sure. Why don't we reach out and hold them for the precious treasure they are? Jesus' words are the richest consolations, peace for every moment, hope for the future, confidence for every trial. But what do we so often do like Peter? Well, I know all that's true, but I'd really like to weigh Jesus against this problem, you know, just because I see how big this problem is. And I'm just going to weigh Jesus here. I'm going to weigh him out. Can He really be a Savior in this place, this time? I mean, last time He came through, but this time? Friends, if we're doubting Christ, we're terribly mistaken about who He is at the get. Jesus isn't just a rock. He's the rock. He's a rock that can't be moved. He's not just your footing. He's your eternal footing that will always be underneath your feet, that will never let you fall. He's your eternal hope. And when I and when you, we leave that truth behind. What are we doing? We're with Peter, you know, having a relapse of faith. What have I done? Oh, no, nothing can happen. Nothing can save me. But Jesus has made it apparent, has anybody's cross? He need not be doubted because the grave is empty and he walked out. He has overcome. There's nothing about Christ's words that can be doubted because the grave is empty. So don't waste another season doubting the love of Christ. His cross proves it. Don't waste any more seasons of life fretting. The Lord's hand of provision and power are with you always. Don't waste any more seasons of life staring in amazement at the enemy's power. Look at Jesus. He is sevenfold stronger than your worst enemy. And He is your perfect Savior. He is your perfect friend. So we cry out, Lord Jesus, increase my faith. And in Mark's gospel is that story of the man who has the child with the unclean spirit. And he says to Jesus, If you can do anything. And Jesus says, If. He says, All things are possible for the ones, for the one who believes. And the man says, I believe, semicolon, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I believe, but Lord, I don't, I don't believe perfectly. Increase my faith. Increase my faith. So Peter at wit's end, friends, he's in the best place he can be. And sometimes it's at wit's end, you and I are in the best place we, you, know, you and I can be. Because you know at your wit's end, you discover you don't have very good wits to start. <laughs> and nobody else, whatever Savior anyone else promises to be, They don't either, and neither does anything. The desperate moment of falling is wasted, friends, if we don't clench on to Jesus' hand tighter. If we don't allow Christ to fill up our hearts even more. And by grace, He'll always save us and draw us in closer. Matthew Henry says, In dealing with Christ, very much is put upon our believing and very much promised to it. Canst thou believe? Darest thou believe? Art thou willing to venture thy all in the hands of Christ, to venture all thy spiritual concerns with him and all thy temporal concerns for him? Canst thou find in thy heart to do this? If so, it it is not impossible that you, a great sinner, you may be reconciled, that though you are very mean and unworthy, you will go to heaven. And if you can believe, it is possible that thy hard heart may be softened, thy spiritual diseases may be cured, and that weak as thou art, thou mayest be able to hold out to the end. Christ will keep us to the very end. If you're thirsty in a desert, water doesn't stop being water because you doubt that it will quench your thirst. It's effective as it'll ever be, and you're as thirsty as you'll ever be friend don't doubt Christ cuz he is exactly who and what he says he is so believe it's a command you know that it's a command so it's not like well I'm struggling with faith you should work on that it's a sin to disbelieve obey Jesus says obey have faith believe as much as it's important for us you know to pray and we talked about that it's just as important for us to study because it's hard to believe what you don't know. It's hard to love whom you don't know. It's hard to hear what you haven't heard. So as much as we need to be dependent on God in prayer, friends, it's so important to fight, and it is a fight to stay fresh with Jesus in the Scriptures. It's, it's, it's a fight to, Lord, I, I don't want to just show up on Sunday. I'm supposed to. No, God, I want to, I want to meet with You in the Spirit. I want to encounter Christ. I want to breathe in heaven. Lord, I want to know You in the Word of my own. I want to encounter Christ. I want to see more so I can believe more and be full more. I want to be saturated with Jesus. Friends, let's not doubt Christ, but believe Christ. So at the end of it, what happens? It says that they all worship and say, truly, it's emphatic, truly, this, this is the Son of God. So that means this for you and me, wherever we are in life, whatever storm, if Jesus is present with us, God is present with us. If Jesus is near, God is near. You and I are getting ready to come into the Advent season. We're getting ready to come into the Christmas season. And what is the joy and beauty of that for us? It's this, that Christ came. He came from heaven. He was God and always will be God, but He also came a man to save us. And as the fullness of man and the fullness of God, Christ is your perfect Savior past every fear you may have. Christ is your perfect Savior past every doubt that plagues you. Friends, if God is for you, no one can be against you. And surely if you cry out to Christ in faith, He will be for you. He will be your Savior. So I I encourage us this morning, let faith be your shield to guard you from those arrows of doubt and those arrows of fear. And as faith guards us and keeps us, Christ will be our ever-present Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for its comfort. We thank You for uh, what joy is available to us from it. And Lord, we pray according to Your will that Your Spirit would fill us with all faith. That Christ would dwell in us richly. Lord, that we would be bold. That we would be courageous. That Lord, in every season, and every trial, whatever that looks like, it wouldn't be something that we... We wonder at how how we will ever get past this. How will I, how will, how will this be conquered? This trouble. No Lord, fill us with fill us with faith. Fill us with Your Spirit, Lord. You are able to do this. You are good and You are faithful. And we just thank You. Let me just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.